good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on where you are in the world. This is Augie of the Blago Blabber podcast. I would like to welcome everyone to another episode. Today, we're mostly going to focus on a little bit of NBA stuff. Uh, Quinn Snyder to the Atlanta Hawks, LeBron James injury, KD making his appearance, first appearance for debut, I should say, for the Phoenix Suns. Going to try to sneak some football talk in at the end. Uh, so yeah, here we go. So Quinn Snyder took over the Atlanta Hawks after Nate McMillan was let go, pretty much where I was welcome. I feel the disagreement between him and Trey Young earlier in the season. I think it was December 6th or something like that was kind of the final straw. And we were just kind of waiting for Nate McMillan to get his walking papers and look for employment elsewhere, so to say. And whether that would have happened this season or at the end of the season, I think that was just kind of the question. It was just basically when was it going to happen? We kind of knew that they weren't going to stay together. So uh, yeah, Nate McMillan got his walking papers and it was pretty much either Nate McMillan or Trey Young. Who are you going to keep, right? Because once you have a disagreement, I think it's very easy. It's not very easy to kind of rebuild, rebuild that partnership sort of thing. So in most cases, it's either one or the other, right? So they kind of decided to go with Trey Young. Although, truth be told, I think if the team keeps, I can't even say underachieving, but if they, if their, if their ceiling is second round, and I think at some point Trey's gonna ask to um, leave Atlanta as well. So we'll see, but that's down the road. Uh, in terms of free agents, they don't have many on the team right now. So it's De- uh, DeAndre Hunter. Um, Okongwu and they all have team options at the end of the season. I think in the offseason, though, we're going to see John Collins traded, which we've been hearing about for, feels like, two, two and a half years now. Uh, I think the same is going to happen with Clint Capella. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, same thing. We heard some rumors at the trade deadline that teams that needed shooting were looking at Bogdan a little bit, but um, he ended up staying with Atlanta, but I think in the off season, we're going to see moves be made and Quinn Snyder try to make this team kind of scope it into what he wants it to look like. So whether that's bringing in players from elsewhere, whether, you know, whatever the case may be, I think a lot of that's going to happen. Um, DeJounte Murray trade kind of messed them up a little bit. They got rid of a lot of draft picks in that trade. I love them picking up DeJounte Murray because he is... I'm a firm believer that in your backcourt, yes, you do need shooting, but I also think that one of the two guards needs to be very sound defensively. So if you take a look at the Golden State Warriors in the heyday, Klay Thompson was that guy. Klay Thompson could hit you up for 30, 40 most nights and then guard your best player. And I think that's kind of where that that's kind of the blueprint for I think winning a title. If you take a look at the Milwaukee Bucks, Drew Holiday, when they won their title, able to lock down a lot of guys. Milton can lock down, you know, the other teams opposed or the opposing team's best player. Giannis can lock down pretty much anyone one to five. So every team has defensive stoppers, Raptors with Fred Van Vliet who could guard Kyle Lowry, Norman Powell at that time. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, obviously, Siakam. So there's guys who can 
defend all over the place. So I'm, I'm a firm believer that in your backcourt, you need a lot of shooting, yes. But you also have to have one of your guards has to be able to lock down the opposition's best player or the opposition, one of the opposition's best two players. And I think that Atlanta does have that. I think they just struggle with a small forward who can get you 20, 30 a night. And I'm a firm believer that you also need to have that in your arsenal if you want to win the title. The big man, I think you can you can kind of get away with a little bit, but I think those are the two kind of attributes that you need on the team um, to win a title. So we'll see how this goes from here. Um, basically, after the fairy tale run in 2021, they've been a 500 team. Uh, they lost 4-1 to Miami last season. Um, when McMillan took over, I think he was something like 27-11 or something like that. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it was crazy start for him in, in Atlanta. And we said maybe this is the guy that, you know, Trey Young kind of needed to, to, to push him forward. And uh, a few years later, a couple of years later, it's um, really not working out. They're currently in eighth position. And I think they're going to be in that play-in area for the rest of the season. Now, where they finish, it, it's interesting. I think they have a lot of, in my opinion, they have a lot of interesting players on this team. And they have the, heading into this last part of the season, they have the 10th toughest schedule, right? So they still have Boston twice, Philly, Memphis, Cleveland, Nets, if you want to include them in that, and Miami twice. So there's, um, yeah, their season, their uh, schedule's kind of all over the place. And I think that they just have a lot of players who just haven't realized their potential yet. Like AJ Griffin, albeit is, is his rookie season, so we're going to need a little bit more time on him. But Jalen Johnson, you have Okongwu who's there. You have DeAndre Hunter. You have all these guys who are, we every year, I at least I sit back and I think, is this the year that they're going to kind of breakthrough and that they're going to average 20 a game and be named all defensive team but it just hasn't come yet and like I don't know how long you can wait for for guys to develop or if they're even going to hit that ceiling right so they've been kind of stuck in neutral for for a number of years now so I I see Atlanta making the playoffs whether that's through the plan or whatever but I actually have them in the in the actual playoff I'm not talking about play and all that stuff I think they'll be in the playoffs uh, the LeBron James injury. So we heard that he was out for solo, uh, several weeks and he's to be re-evaluated re in two or three weeks. Um, Chris Haynes just tweeted that he will not need surgery on that foot. If the Lakers are out of the playing race, I don't think we'll see LeBron back this season. I think that's kind of given at this point that he won't be back because what's there really to risk in his 20th season, whatever he's in now. There's nothing for him to risk if he can't, if if they can't make the playoffs, right? Uh, the Matt, game against the, the the Memphis Grizzlies, they hung in, but ultimately they allowed 86 paint points and John went crazy in the third quarter. I think he dropped 30 on them, and every feels like every single point was in the paint. I actually don't think that he hit a jumper. It was all layups and and ones, floaters and things of that nature. So they kind of allowed him to do whatever he wanted, and ultimately uh, Memphis ended up winning. They defeated Thunder last night. 
Shea Gil- Gilgis Alexander was out, but LeBron was out, AD was out, and D'Angelo Russell was out. So, um, Anthony Davis being out again, it's just a reoccur- reoccurring theme at this point. You You really can't count on him anymore. I don't know if they don't win the title, which I'm still not ruling them out of winning the title. I'm not going to rule them out. Anything can happen. If they don't win the title, this is his last season in LA. I truly believe that they're going to trade him in the offseason. And if they were smart, I don't know if they could trade LeBron in the offseason because I know that this season they couldn't because of something in this CBA agreement. But I would also trade LeBron in the offseason. And I would recuperate as many picks and young players as I can and then start the rebuild. LA is a big market. They're going to be able to sign big free agents whenever they want. That's not the issue. They don't have the issues that some of the other teams in smaller markets have where they trade their best players and they don't know when they're going to get the next one. Lakers can literally trade both AD and LeBron, recuperate the picks and young players, and go out and still sign players in the offseason. It can all be rebuilt in three or four months if they if they wanted to take that route. So I'm trying to trade AD and, and LeBron in the offseason. And if AD does come back in the near future, I don't know what the injury is or anything. But they're going to need him to average somewhere in the neighborhood of 28, 14, and 3 with LeBron out. None of this 12, 10 stuff. They do have a good, solid supporting cast. But AD is the most experienced player in that team. He's won a title. And he needs to show up in big games and get the Lakers over the line and get them some wins. That's just the bottom line. So 28, 14, and 3 is what he needs to average if the Lakers want to keep float. Even with LeBron out. If they get LeBron out in three or four weeks, I think they'll be they'll be good to go. Uh, they don't have a tough schedule. 19 games remaining, they have the third easiest schedule. And their teams, the teams that they play are have a 474 winning percentage. And the best teams that they face, uh, they have Memphis, New York, Phoenix twice, Golden State, Clippers, and Mavericks. And then they have Rockets twice, Magic once, OKC once, Chicago twice, Utah twice, and Pelicans once. That, I mean, the game against Pelicans, I don't know when that is, but that could be a big one. Uh, that could determine seeding in the playoffs and playing wherever the Lakers are and whatever the uh, New Orleans Pelicans are are at that point. So a lot of a lot of big games on the stretch, they're going to need AD, though. They barely beat OKC without SGA, and there were some calls down the stretch that the Lakers really got, you know, I, I thought that OKC got hosed on. That would have made the game a lot more interesting. But, I mean, the win is is the only thing that matters at the end, right? So, third easiest schedule. If AD is healthy, they should be able to make the playoffs. There is no reason, or sorry, they should be able to make the play-in. So, somewhere from 7th to 10th, they should be in that range if AD is healthy. They have enough in Anthony Davis and the players that they acquired at the trade deadline. Austin Reeves has played really well the last three or four games. Basically, since they came back from the All-Star break to where this team can push forward and at least make the play-in. There should be no excuses for that. Especially if LeBron is back in, let's say, three weeks. Or if he's back in April. You know what I mean? So, 
And this is ultimately what happens when LeBron's played a lot of minutes again this season. And this is kind of what happens when AD was out, right? AD's out in, that I guess, November, December, January, whatever, whatever it was. But now, you know, LeBron has to pull the weight for the entire team because Russ wasn't playing that great, even though a lot of people want to talk about he was playing great off the bench. Well, considering how bad he was last season, yeah, this is, I guess, average for Russ. So LeBron kind of had to pull the team to a decent record, at least, until AD was out. And then they come back, they play a few games together, and then now both guys are out. But again, if AD is back, playing shouldn't be an issue. They should get to the playoffs through the play-in, and then if they have LeBron. And then, you know, from there, anything can happen. This Lakers team is actually good. I, and I liked them even when Russ was on the team, to tell you the truth. Sure, they were missing some shooting, and they got a, a lot of shooting at the at the deadline, but I thought that the team was decent enough to make the playoffs, even when Russ was there. All right, Kevin Durant's debut with the Suns. 23 points, 6 rebounds, 2 assists, 10 of 15 shooting, and 2 blocks, and a win over Charlotte. So it's like he had never missed any time at all. He's just that lethal, one of the best shooters that we've mid-range shooters that we've ever seen in the NBA. Um, this is going to be interesting. So the Phoenix Suns have the fourth toughest schedule left. They still have Milwaukee. They have Denver twice. They have Philadelphia once. Sacramento twice. Golden State. And the Clippers. And then they also have... I mean, their easy games aren't really that easy apart from... Spurs and Magic, and then they have Thunder three times, which Thunder's actually played really well this season, considering they're in the playoff hunt in in a season where we thought that they would be in the uh, Wembanyama sweepstakes. They have Bulls who are kind of up and down. They have the Lakers twice, who if they have LeBron, it will be a good game, and they have the Jazz. So the the one of the main issues here is is availability of players right for the Suns Booker's been injured quite a bit this season Durant's been injured Chris Paul has kind of fallen off and obviously they have DeAndre Ayton there but they got rid of pretty much any defending that they had when they traded for KD so Mikel Bridges and now you're kind of looking and at this roster and who's going to be able to play defense for them and I think that's a legitimate question you can score 130, but you'll probably allow 133, 135. So I think that's a legitimate question here. KD's a good defender, but KD can't guard five different guys. DeAndre Ayton is a decent defender, but again, you need, in your guard position, what can you get out of those guys, right? What can you still get out of CP3 and Devin Booker? The bench in terms of scoring actually isn't that bad. But it's it's the it's the defend defensively that is the thing that a lot of people are worried about. The availability, of course. CP3 looks like he's really hit a wall here. And you know, Booker, as I mentioned, and Kevin Durant have missed um a large portion of this season. So, you know, it kind of like where do they finish? This is, so right now they're fourth. They would be playing the Golden State Warriors in the first round if the playoffs ended today. All right, so that's uh, 
that would be quite the matchup. And that's really, really the only question with the Suns, right? Like, KD doesn't look like he's missed a dribble of basketball. And he was thrown back into the game in the fourth quarter when the Charlotte Hornets started to make a little bit of a run. He hit a number of mid-range jumpers and put the game out of hand. So they're going to be fun to watch. There's no doubt about that. No doubt about that. And Sacramento Kings are climbing, my goodness. Third in the West right now. Only two games behind the Memphis Grizzlies for second. Seven games behind the Nuggets. But yeah, the, the, the Suns are going to be fun. Like I said, it, the only question is kind of who defensively, how do they stack up against the other teams? Because they're defensively, they're going to need to, you're going to need to contain guys like Jaw and, and Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr. Whenever it is that you get to the playoffs, then you have Steph Clay and those boys, Poole, uh, Kawhi and, and PG. And there's a lot of guys that could, they're going to need to defend it in these playoffs if they want to make a run. So that's really the only question, I think, with, with them. Availability and, and defensively, what do we have in that team? Um, I wanted to touch on a little bit of the Premier League with Arsenal. Five points clear of Manchester City yesterday with a win over Everton 4-0 at home. At the Emirates, remember, if we go back about a month, uh, Sean Dyche took over Everton and Everton beat Arsenal at home Goodison. And I said, uh-oh, because you lose to the worst team, it can kind of wear a team out a little bit, right? And I was kind of worried, what are the other, what are the next few games going to look like? And the next few actually weren't that good either, but um, ended up getting out of the rut. Still a ton of big games for Arsenal this season that they still have to uh, play through. They have sporting in the uh, Europa League. Uh, Liverpool away, that's going to be a huge game. They still have Chelsea at home, Manchester City away, uh, Newcastle away. So there's still a lot of, lot of big games uh, left. No easy matches, really. I, got, I mean, they have Southampton still. Wolves on the final match day, which could mean a lot for Wolves in terms of staying up in Arsenal, fighting for the title. Uh, second last match of the season is Nottingham Forest, who were in that zone, relegation zone, so to say. Um, but yeah, all the other games are, are pretty much must wins and need to wins, as I like to say. So how that's going to pan out is going to be interesting. I think that win against Everton is huge to, to, to open up that five-point lead. The Leicester City match before that was also very big. Leicester, it, it can be a very difficult place to, to go and play. The 1-0 win felt like it should have been more than that. But then again, the Aston Villa 4-2 win feels like it should have been like a 3-2 win. I guess we did score one in, literally at the end of the match, but uh, you get the point. Martinelli was dropped for one of the matches, comes back, and he's scored, I think, three and four matches or four and three, something like that. Saka playing out of his mind yet again. He's got to get considerations for one of the best players in the world very soon. Not saying this season, but statistics this season have improved, and he's well on his way to uh, be in that conversation when we talk about some of the, not the best young player, but one of the best players in the world currently. And I'm looking forward to seeing what the future has in store for him. 
sign a new deal with Arsenal. Uh, Gabriel Jesus is coming back very soon. We've seen Trossard play as kind of like a false nine the last two matches. Eddie Nketiah's goal scoring has completely dried, dried up. And that's kind of, you know, when, when Gabriel Jesus came, got injured, that, that's the original thing that I was kind of worried about is the goal scoring from Eddie Nketiah, right? Like he doesn't have a big history of scoring a lot of goals for Arsenal. And once he got five in whatever it was, five, I think that he had, I was excited, but I knew at some point it's, it's going to come to an end because he's just not a goal scorer like that. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be quite a fight, and I'm including Manchester United in this in this battle for the for the title as well. They won their first trophy in five years, the uh, EFL trophy, I believe it was. Um, but yeah, you know they're they're exceeding expectations this season. Ten Hag has done an outstanding job. I think I've already touched on it before, but. Yeah, they're right there in the fight. And if you if you said to Manchester United fans you would be third place with what ten something like that matches left, they would take it. And they've had a really good season, like I said. And it's gonna be a very interesting battle um for the rest of the season. Uh that's the show for today. Uh a little bit shorter than usual. But I just wanted to touch on those topics. Uh, so thank you guys for listening. Remember, you can listen to this podcast on Anchor FM, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, or wherever else you listen to your podcasts. If you are on Spotify, remember, you can rate the podcast. I would appreciate that. Um, take care, guys, and we'll talk again uh, down the road. Music.